Welcome to the Wealth Academy podcast. Wealth is more than just money, where you will hear leading professionals share expert advice on how to become financially free, generate wealth, and legacy wealth. If you want to discover how to enhance your money mindset through strategies, tools, and techniques, then this is the podcast for you. Your host, Paul Lawrence Van, is a financial coach, two-time number one international best-selling author, course creator, and he has been assisting clients to enhance their understanding of money management to become debt-free, discover ways to build wealth, and to generate legacy wealth for over 18 years. Will you be next? Here is your great host, day, great Paul day, everyone. I'm your host, Paul Lawrence Van, host of Wealth Academy Podcast, and of course, our mantra is wealth is more than just money in life we have a lot of other things that are important as well but having money and finances is great too we're going to have a wonderful show today in this episode we are going to be interviewing uh spencer hilligas and he's going to be talking about real estate syndications i want to welcome him and then of course as i normally do i'll go over his bio spencer how are you doing today my friend I'm doing great, Paul. Thanks so much for having me. I know a little bit uh, last minute on my part, literally just got back from a plane. So thanks for bearing with me. <laughs> Excited yeah, to be here. It's worth the wait because it's priceless. We're glad to have you here because I know people in my podcast community are going to want to learn more about what you do, which is very important. Uh, Spencer is CEO and co-founder of Madison Investing, a real estate investing firm that specializes in real estate syndication. Now here's Spencer's mission. It is to arm investors with the know-how they need to make confident investment decisions tailored to their life goals. But that's not all. Prior to pivoting in real estate, Spencer held several executive roles in the financial technology industry, working for Intuit, a company that we all have some work with, I know I do, and Gusto. Now, over the course of 13 years, Spencer built a track record of high-performing teams over five companies of which three were valued at over $1 billion. Spencer is a member of the 2021 Forbes Real Estate Council, and he resides in the beautiful Bay Area with his wife and his two sons. So welcome, Spencer, and we are honored to have you, my friend. And we are going to really uh, get you to share some valuable information for all of our viewers, as well as our listeners and those who will listen on the our archive. So inquiring minds want to know what was the inspiration for you to become a CEO and co-founder of Madison Investing? Gosh, that's a great opener. <laughs> and, and, and thank you for the, you know, for the kind introduction as well, Paul. Sure. Um, you know, it, it started very organically. A lot of this um, was birthed out of really Jennifer and my own careers. Uh, and, and Jennifer Morimoto is my wife and my co-founder, my CEO. So, you know, we had crafted our own 13 year corporate careers or W2 careers, totally different industries. Uh -huh. um, and, and, and we were just focused on those, you know, climbing the ladder, if you will, um, yeah. for, for so long. Uh -huh. And ultimately came to a realization about 10 years into it where our net worth needle was not moving in the sure. way that we wanted it to, you know. And so I think ultimately we just started investing differently. And that investing shift for us personally led to a realization of and frankly an inspiration of well how come we're not seeing other people have the same spark exactly. you know that, that that we did and that's really where uh you know madison investing started for us it was like hey if we could go back in time sure. what, what is the advice that we would give to ourselves what, what would i tell to myself you know two two years in three years into my career 
Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I would have made a couple different decisions financially, you know, 401ks, they have their role, of course, but I would say mm-hmm. would have made a couple different changes in our own financial picture much earlier. And that was really the genesis of this uh, of, from a company perspective, Paul. It was, mm-hmm. this is working for us. How can we go and, and serve others in a way that is actually helpful for them? And we had already kind of figured out how to, how to do this a way that works well for us. Oh, definitely. And you're absolutely correct. Uh, when a person is going through their career and they're climbing that ladder, oftentimes those ladders get wider and wider in order to get one step up closer to the top. But uh, what you all have done, you all made that transition and you saw it early, which is making that difference now. But real estate is really a great way to do it. Now, you're a passive investor and active syndicator. And of course, you understand the challenges that a lot of business, busy professionals go through. Uh, when they're starting on their real estate journey. What are a couple of the challenges that you find that people face on their real estate investing journey? Ooh, this in and of itself, this one question could be an entire series probably. I know. <laughs> I will try to keep this concise, but you sure. please keep me honest on that one, Paul. Okay. Um, I'd say right off the bat, um, it is strategy choice. Mm, and, excellent. You know, right off the bat, I would say, I wish I could go back in time and you know, think about the first rental rental property investment we made as an example. You yeah. know, mm-hmm. knowing the difference between am I solving for growth? Am I trying to hit a cash flow number? Sure. You know, or even let's make it simpler and more high level. Does someone find this interesting to the point where they want to make this a a part time job? Uh-huh. You know, do they want to be active or passive? All like all of these things are key questions. And I look at, for example, um, we we bought a duplex. We still own it now. Uh, in, in Vallejo, California, mm-hmm. and this is a little sticker shock for folks that are probably outside of maybe oh, San Francisco, area, LA, yeah. or, or or New York. But uh, you know that, that duplex costs about four hundred thirty thousand dollars at the time yeah. we bought it, yeah. and we didn't quite realize and piece together our goals that cash flow was a priority at that time. Mm-hmm. Like we wanted to figure out how much passive income could come in, and that was going to produce maybe two hundred dollars a month in cash flow fall. And, sure. and so I would not call that a home run. Right. If, if we had understood the uh-huh. implications of investing on a property like that, it's appreciating. Of course, we're very pleased with that performance, but I would say that wasn't the intent. The intent was for cash flow. And so I want to give that one very specific example, because, uh, you know, if I were to use my fingers to indicate the spectrum in a very scientific way, of course, uh-huh. um, the active passive decision is a very overlooked one. Mm-hmm. And it's it's because this stuff can be overwhelming for folks, but it doesn't have to be. But just stop and think. Do I want to go make this my job, whether it's a full time or part time in any form, not a hobby, because if someone wants to be active, they should absolutely go in expecting it to be a business decision. It is not a hobby. It's not a part time thing. You're doing it for fun. That's how you lose money um, is going in with that mindset. And if you want to be passive, totally different conversation. You're going to have to trust and vet people, though. You got to figure out how to vet people that that you're going to be relying on in order to go and, and do a lot of that legwork for you and sure. find these opportunities for you and, and a number of other different roles that they could be playing. And it's very competitive too. Very competitive. And, I mean, right now yeah. being- Yeah, buyer's market. Very, I yeah. mean, it is incredibly competitive. Well, seller's market, but, but buyers are gonna pay a lot more for what they want, yeah. Absolutely, yeah. And, and uh, I mentioned I just got off a plane. I was in uh, Colorado for a whole day of uh, touring mm-hmm. properties. 
And uh, that is, you know, validating to see there's just a ton of competition out there that are fighting for very little inventory, if you will, uh, of, you know, of properties that are available for purchase, you know, so that is um, the most competitive environment we've seen in a very long time. Yeah, yeah. I know when I first started buying my first property, I bought it in Texas for a little of nothing. But from what I understood later on is that I paid too much for it. But over time, I actually doubled uh, the value of it. So when I came out after the sale, I came out ahead. But it is a people business. Real estate is a people business. And of course, you have to be concerned about the property being destroyed, being uh, deteriorating. It's a lot that goes into it. And I know when you're buying duplexes and, and, and apartments, it's even more intense. Very much so. I bet I'm sure you are happy with how that uh, that Texas property went. <laughs> it was a miracle, Spencer. It was a miracle. <laughs> and, and what's funny is that the neighbor across the street was renting an apartment. And he saw the house for sale and he asked, could, could he purchase it? And I said, absolutely. And I sold it to him. And I was glad to because yeah. He, was, yeah, he, he saw it every day. Right. So it, it worked out quite nice. That's uh, when I had my little uh, jaunt there working for mobile oil company in Texas. So it, it was interesting. Now, Spencer, why is investing in real estate syndications an underutilized strategy by the business busy professionals who want to grow their income? Why is it underutilized? I guess it's not the first thing they think of when they think about real estate investing. Absolutely. You know, I think one of those initial barriers that we found as well, personally, because our journey, our business was created out of our own need and our own wealth plan that we now share with others and help them get into sure. these things, right? So we went through these three logical stages and I'll just briefly touch on them. We bought a rental locally. It was yeah. too scary to buy something far away. Exactly. You know, yeah. Huge mental block. It affects us. It affects others. Sure. We got comfortable with long distance, but we still didn't mm -hmm. want to go go big as it sure. were, you know, to larger properties. But we eventually bought, bought some turnkey single family homes in the Midwest. And then long, long story short, we realized that was still more work than uh, than we wanted to absorb. You know, it was more overhead, even on a rental property with a property absolutely. manager taking mm -hmm. their 10% every month. That 10%, absolutely. That yeah. happened to me. <laughs> and, and and they they still require management. You know, sure. they the manage management of the manager is part of that deal. And so that passive um when rentals are referred to as passive investments, and I'm I am a pro rental person. Like I think that great investing comes down to the word and and not the word or so this is not a binary thing exactly. but syndications i would say opened up my eyes to what it means to be actually passive as an investment vehicle um and and meaning the big disclaimer i will give because i very frequently get into this friendly debate is yeah. oh but but you do work it's not passive when you do diligence on the opportunity uh -huh. and to, to which i would reply well i sure hope you're not investing in any stock with the same Exactly. My, my mindset. I hope you're not, exactly. not blindly, you know, going into any form of investment vehicle across the board, any industry, any asset class without doing diligence. That's kind of an assumption going in. Do it. um, it's critical. And, and mm -hmm. but once we invested our own funds in, into these vehicles, like we were kind of surprised because it, it, it was truly all the work handled by the asset manager or mm -hmm. AKA the very distancing terminology for first timers in the space would be you know, the sponsor, the, the people managing the deal, the That's operator, right. the general partner, all of which typically mean the same thing. Um, right. You know, that is really where it comes down to the key value is you're able to benefit from investing in a hard asset that is a real estate uh, it's a piece of property. And you can participate in bigger and bigger properties that have their unique benefits compared to like a single family, Absolutely. Uh, a 400 Absolutely. unit apartment community. Mm -hmm. You know, if one person in that, that community stops paying the rent, 
you still have 399 other people that are paying that rental income. And so the leverage. That's right. Yeah. And of course, on that tax form, when you're filling out the form, it asks, are you an active investor? Are you a passive or owner? And so that's another aspect a person have to consider about the tax aspects for sure. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I'm always obligated to say, of course, this, none of this is tax advice that I will comment on here. Um, sure. But <laughs> yeah. CPA. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I think if, if people are willing to or interested in willing and pursuing the path of being truly active, like getting involved, making decisions about the properties and spending a significant amount of time um, mm-hmm. doing this stuff, then there are very key advantages uh, for that to, to your point, Paul. Absolutely. Oh, sure. I love that topic. I don't want to bore people on that one too much because okay, I can. Well, you know, I have a, a business and tax background. I worked in a, a tax accounting office for a corporation before. And uh, if you learn all the intricacies of taxes, you can do a lot of great things with, with investments for sure. Yes. Agreed. Yes. Yeah, stand within that, those limits, of course. Now, one of the things I know listeners and viewers want to know is this. Does real estate investing lend itself more to one industry over the other? Is there a, a big difference or can anyone use it to their advantage regardless of their background and skill set? Hmm. I'd say that real, real estate does not you know, discriminate in terms of your background, right? In, in terms of yeah. how advantageous it is as an asset class. Exactly. Um, you know, I, I didn't fully grasp the, those benefits as a guy who grew up in a real estate household. I mean, my my dad was a broker for 30 years as a brief aside, Paul, and I will just oh, say great. that um, I was so working in the business major. <laughs> yeah, the business then that's that's really great. Yeah. And, but I was I, I was too immature and perhaps too dense at that moment to reap the full benefit. Obviously, I was a teenager that thought that working in tech companies sounded a lot cooler to tell my friends. Exactly. So, um, yes. At the time, though, I will say that, like, I at least realized that there was something there I would circle back to at some point. And um, so no, there is no background, I would say that that would be ruled out from wanting to consider it as part of their overall portfolio. Uh, because it's it's when people say proven asset class over a, t- a long enough time scale, you can do things that are, are fairly reliable. Um, exactly. And you, you just have to be thoughtful mm-hmm. and plan and, and, and really work with people that you've vetted and, and, and they, you consider them trustworthy because you have some evidence of that. Exactly. And especially when we consider the pandemic that, of course, the government allowed people to uh, they didn't have to pay their rent or on their mortgage for, say, 90 to six, six months. And so that created a problem for the owners and the ownership groups as well, because yeah, the moratorium where they didn't have to go in and pay. And I know that caused a lot. Uh, you still have to pay for the building, even though you're not receiving the payments. That's got to be tough. Yeah, I mean, I'd say that no one expected a global pandemic, that's for sure. No, um, you know, I, I think one of the insights that a lot of folks might find helpful about mm-hmm. just the cat- the category of real estate overall is like many of us discuss it. And I, I, I was very much of this mind for over a decade where we hear about is the market up? Is yeah. the market down? Uh-huh. Is the market doing whatever? And that actually it doesn't really do it justice because, yeah. you know, there is no such thing. I mean, this might be contrarian to some folks, but I would say, I do not believe there is such thing as the real estate market. Sure. Um, there is not a big object or vehicle that is uh-huh. that is moving that way. There is a bunch of individual markets and submarkets in different parts of the country, and they happen to move together over broad strokes. However, exactly. even with apartment buildings, mm-hmm. to your point, Paul, yeah. you've got A class, B class, C yeah, class. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you have, uh, trailer homes. 
Yeah, I mean, so mobile home parks, like, like manufactured park. homes, you yeah. know, storage facilities. And to your point, though, like even through uh, coronavirus um, in 2020, sure, it was a scary moment where everyone thought, oh, the world's going to fall apart. And the world has been and still is deeply affected by this real time. So it's not gone sure. yet. But exactly. C-class properties, a.k.a. workforce housing, you know, pe- people right. who, are, who, are, who are living month to month, typically, they yeah. have relied on that stim- on stimulus in, in, mm-hmm. in many of those buildings. And I think some yes. some folks who invested thoughtfully up front. They made it, they de-risked it as much as they could at the buy up front. Exactly. Yes. They they are in a much better position than the folks who mm-hmm. went in and overpaid and didn't have a plan to force appreciation to that property, to add value to it, to mitigate yeah. and have frankly to have cash reserves to, to navigate through um, sure. a challenging time. Absolutely. Yeah, that that's uh quite a uh, quite a transition in that um uh, the whole market itself or real estate itself is very dynamic and it does react to the market. You know, if a person not working, we have what about uh, 5 million jobs being offered, but they can't be filled. People have changed their mode of operandi in terms of how they're going to go about their life. And of course, having a roof over their head is one of the most important things, you know, along with the health and being able to eat. So um, I know with real estate, it gives those busy professionals now an opportunity to even start a business coming out of this pandemic for, for some of them. Yeah, so, that I mean, the, the, the term that I heard recently, and I know it's become popularized uh, in a big way now, is the, you know, the great resignation. Um, yeah. And great so resignation. It, is, it is remarkable how mm-hmm. certain geographies, certain markets, certain sub-markets, yeah. they are looking, in some cases, far more favorable from sure. a real estate you know a real estate values perspective and mm-hmm. even investing perspective because people can work from anywhere for some of these companies whereas they would have been in an office previously even just a year ago you know so mm-hmm. those dynamics are still playing out i don't think i mean i i try not to declare that i have any answer for where that's going to land and i don't know if anyone truly can yeah, um, still, but it's driving yeah, it's, it's performance for some Absolutely. Absolutely. And in terms of syndication, real estate syndications, were there any uh, uh, significant pivots that you were able to see uh, over the course of the last 18 months? In terms of uh, asset class or asset performance? Class. Uh-huh. And performance, yes. Yeah. You know, I think that uh, definitely went and looked for a couple other asset classes to complement our, our focus because we, we've been very focused on apartments and multifamily, large multifamily. So yes. for so for folks in the audience, that would mean, you know, 100 plus units. Um, exactly. Yeah, like 200, t- more typically like 150 and up. Um, yes. But I'm a fan of predictability sure. uh, wherever <laughs> I can find it, Paul. Absolutely. And, yeah. you know, as a former operations guy, and, and uh-huh. I, I just really like a good forecast that you can tr- at least try to get close to hit. Absolutely. Uh, so I was drawn to storage. I think self-storage mm-hmm. is a really interesting asset class. Yes. Um, and so we, we've done a, a number of those types of deals over the past you know, 18 months. And so that's been really fun, too, because we key, a couple of key advantages there would be, I mean, in a non-climate controlled storage unit, you know, if you think back, if, I don't know if how many folks can remember um, in spring of this year, you had Texas, te- te- Texas went through a very significant deep freeze. Right. Yeah, and, my, bro- my brother went through that one. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, really, truly like deeply impactful for a lot of people and kind of my heart goes out to them during that time and i was texting some folks who were really feeling it mm-hmm. all that said there is no pipes to break yeah. you know, no pipes in a non-climate controlled storage facility 
And ideally, there's no one living in the units. Exactly. So, um, those so types of things are well, key. Risk averse. Yes. Yeah, yes. Uh -huh. And of course, a lot of these deals and syndications you'll see out there these days, and most of the ones that we've ever worked on have had a value add component to them. And sure. that can mean, <laughs> that means so many th different things to different people. But um, in essence, it, it just means you're going to force appreciation for the property once you buy it via renovations and improved management. And mm -hmm. so some of those things, I mean, some properties like a storage facility, you might not even renovate it that much, you might repair and just improve operations. Exactly. Um, apartment building, you might buy it, heavy renovation, heavy lift sure. and improve performance. So it just depends. But other asset classes too have been affected. You know, senior living, um, it's it, a lot of folks really find that to be a compelling asset class and I get why, um, but it's also a bit of a moving target as to where COVID is going to land. So we haven't gone there as much. Okay. Um, yeah, so I could probably keep going. <laughs> so Spencer, thank you for that. And one of the things I want to ask you is uh, for a person who's out there right now and they've saved a bit of money, they have some money sitting out there in the bank account. It's not doing much. They need to move it and build on it and let that money grow. Uh, please uh, share why people should go into real estate syndications to invest in it and to uh, go in it from an ownership perspective as well. Yeah. So I think of it in a very simple way. Um, it's tough to find investment vehicles that offer growth, uh -huh. meaning you invest. I mean, everyone knows growth. If they're a stock investor, you invest, you buy something, it increases in value. You sell at a later time. Um, cash flow. Yes. Cash flow, I would say, is the is the primary reason that most people are initially drawn to these is because they produce monthly sometimes quarterly but now more commonly monthly distributions okay and and those distributions are are meaningful typically oh, um and so getting both growth and cash flow in the same investment vehicle uh is frankly kind of hard to find in the same way that you can do it with this type of, uh, of investment, particularly for, for retail investors, um, you know, for, for folks who are not necessarily living and breathing as an active investor every day, that was exciting to me as an investor, as an, as a limited partner or an LP, um, cool. which is basically the, the, the agreement uh -huh. name and the contract if you're a passive investor in these exactly. things. Exactly. Yes. Um, but it's those, those things. And, and in addition to that, I would also just say uh, without, overstating it or getting too excited, I would say to your point, Paul, from earlier, there are benefits for at least making, you know, some of the cash flow that is received on these investments mm -hmm. uh, tax deferred, or at least a significant portion of it. So it, it, it just, it benefits from some of those things as well. So it's those three things. It's okay. growth, cash flow, and some uh, tax efficiency. That's a great tr trinity. <laughs> yeah, I agree. That's really great. <laughs> I like that. Well, let's shift just a little bit here. And I would like for you to share. I want people to know you live in the uh, beautiful Bay Area, uh, yes. California, great state. And uh, what was it like to play on stage in San Francisco at the Vans Warp Tour? What was that like? <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> Tell us more. Uh, so <laughs> it, might, it might not be. Um obvious to folks at first, you know, because of the collar shirt and, and, and the business-like discussion. But I would say I have played in quite a few punk and metal bands in oh. my life um, and been playing guitar for 25 years, you know. So oh, great. That, that, that era of life was a lot of fun. Um, uh -huh. My audience is primarily my two kids these days, so I don't That's play right. hype of music. You have a great audience. <laughs> it's like wheels on the bus primarily these days. Um, but yeah, it was a blast back in... Gosh, it was like the two, 2000s. Yeah, we got to play on Warp Tour locally. And 
you know, it wasn't necessarily like the biggest stage, but it was big enough for us, you know, like, so we, we used to play gigs around the Bay Area, still okay. try to get into play some music now. Um, but, you know, the collar shirt hides some of the tattoos. So it's That's uh, okay. That's okay. On that front. Yeah. And so you're a metal fan and you also have a tattoo collection. So uh, what do your sons say about your tattoos? They like them? You know, it's just what they've known about dad. Um, I, I did get the question recently of, you know, hey, dad, can I have a tattoo? And then we, I, I'm either oh. the artist, the, the oh, artist wow. who gets to draw it on him, or it's a temporary. But frankly, no one oh. wants to emulate their parents for the most part. So I get, they'll, they'll probably end up getting zero because they're exactly. gonna say, we're going to do our own thing. Exactly. <laughs> All right. I just wanted to get that in because, of, like I said, uh, wealth is more than just money. You know, we have to live. You have, you have beautiful family, beautiful wife, two beautiful right. children, and uh, letting people know that with that, you have even more when you're looking at the real estate syndications. So it's a complete person, the whole whole package. Yeah. So um, Spencer, one of the things I want to talk about now, because our interview is coming to a close, if there's anything else you would like to share at this time, how people can contact you, reach out to you and learn more about syndications. Do you offer any programs, online courses, or, or uh, any webinars that's involving real estate uh, syndications as well? Oh, I appreciate that, Paul. You know, so, so we have a website, madisoninvesting.com. So it's madisoninvesting.com. And folks can sign up for a monthly newsletter there. Uh, and you know, if they want to learn more about our, our group, it's a passive investing group. Um, we are only taking right now uh, accredited investors. Um, so you know, folks can always book time with me, though. Um, through our website yes. i also share and, and you, are, you already know this paul because we've been uh -huh. uh, you know commenting and, and interacting on linkedin uh -huh. but uh yeah linkedin as well i, I try, try to do a few posts a week on linkedin sharing education on that front as well uh-huh yeah I, i've been following that i'm going to follow it more and yes i understand if, if you can share a little bit about the accredited investors I, I used to know what that meant but it's been a few years now if you can share that with people in case uh they they want to uh, try to put position themselves to to, to arrive there yeah absolutely and i, I think it is actually um very commonly overcomplicated, and it doesn't it really doesn't have to be so this is a requirement that you don't need to rush out and get a certificate for. Mm -hmm. It just means that um, the SEC defines a, an accredited investor as yes. either someone who meets a certain income yes. threshold uh -huh. or a certain net worth threshold. Yes. So that, that's how I know it. Yeah. And, and so, so to keep it uh, very simple for folks, um, it's if you're single mm -hmm. and you have made over $200,000 in the past two years, and right. then you expect to make that this year as well you okay. are an accredited investor. Um, on the net worth front, less mm -hmm. common, um, but if folks hit a million dollars in net worth, uh -huh. not including their primary home, sure. um, then they're an accredited investor. You don't have to hit both, you just exactly. have to hit one. Um, and you know, it did, um, there was an official update to that uh, status in I think December, uh, it was like late 2020. There sure. are a few licenses, you know, professional mm -hmm. licenses that also can help someone count um, as, as a accredited investor as well. Well, that's you. You said it exactly. That's the way I remember it when I first learned about real estate investing. <laughs> how to it hasn't been updated very much. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's how I remember it. And for those who are out there and you're in that category, uh, I think the person you should talk to is Spencer Hillegas. He can, he can help you out, and uh, that would be a great thing for sure. Thank you, Paul. Yeah, and, and I think um, as a side note for folks too. Uh, a very common question I would get on the accreditation front and wh whether, you know, you reach out to us or anyone else out there that works mm -hmm. with accredited investors, 
don't rush out and go and get verified unless you are sure you want to go do something with that verification because it has a shelf life. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, your CPA can do it for you uh-huh. if they're open to it. Um, so yeah. Some are, some aren't, but there's there's actually really easy to use online verification services these days. We, we partner with one as well. And we typically okay. uh, help our investors with that. Fantastic. Fantastic. You heard it here first, people. <laughs> from Spencer Hillegas. And again, uh, Spencer, thank you so much for being our honored guest today. And you talked about real estate syndications and your journey, and then how other people may consider positioning themselves to do the same thing, working with you and are learning more from you. And of course, uh, Spencer is out there on LinkedIn and other social uh, networking sites and media, social media sites. And so I want you to connect with him. Again, his website is www.madisoninvesting.com. So Spencer, thank you so much for being our honored guest today and uh, continued excellence in all that you do. Yeah, thank you so much, Paul. This has been a blast. I really appreciate you having me on. Okay, fantastic. And I'm going to close out this show by saying, see, for all of our viewers and listeners, this is another, another option that you have at your disposal. Looking at this particular opportunity, it can really help you out, whether you're passive or you're active. Uh, Real estate syndications is a great way to do it. And this is going to end this particular episode with our honored guest, Spencer Hillegas. And I thank you all for your time. Go out there to Apple Podcasts and rate and review this particular episode, which is episode 148. So thank you all. Have a great day. And I'll see you on the next broadcast of Wealth Academy podcast. Have a great day, everyone, and continued excellence in all that you do. Have a great day, Spencer. Yeah, you as well, Paul. Thanks so much. Thanks for listening to Wealth Academy podcast. Please subscribe and rate this episode on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts to get you or someone you know assessed for Paul's online financial freedom courses or money coaching in addition to resources associated with this podcast. Email Paul at info at paulvanspeaks.com.